0: Hey everybody and welcome to iFreaks episode number 186. This week on our panel we have Alando Brewington. Hello from Cambodia. James Uber. Hello from Minneapolis. And I'm Andrew Madsen in Salt Lake City. It's the end of the year, uh, just about to to celebrate the new year and we thought we would uh, sort of review oh, the on, year. Hold
1: on, hold on, hold on a second. Alondo, you're in Cambodia over the holidays? Correct. Alright, that's like a song, right? <laughs> Cambodia. <laughs> yes. Cambodia? Holiday in Cambodia. Yeah, there we go.
0: Okay, Londo is in Cambodia, and he was telling us all about his plans for for New Year's in uh, in Vietnam. And we were I don't know I was feeling a little jealous.
2: Well, it's definitely warm, but there's no snow here. So if you're looking for like a white Christmas or like a wintry New Year, you're not going to get it here.
0: I guess that's right. We got a big storm on Christmas Eve night, and woke up to you know almost a foot of snow or something at my house on Christmas. So I can't complain. Well, anyway, we thought we would sort of review the year in iOS and and uh, what's gone on this year, and also maybe talk about what we predict for for twenty seventeen. Hopefully, good things. Yeah,
2: I hope so. absolutely, definitely excited about the new year. Um, I think this year for me uh, was a sort of a year's transition, and. Um, uh, with the, some of the changes that have happened in ios it was a, it was a good time for me to take a bit of time and uh sort of reposition myself to move forward for with what's coming in the future i guess namely i uh swift three i started converting all the apps i've been working on to swift three from objective c
0: yeah so i want to talk about you know all the things that happened this year but i I think the the big one for iOS developers was, of course, Swift three and the transition to Swift three and the the new features it brought and uh and I I maintain now a pretty um, unusual code base because I I basically have a whole whole bunch of small projects that are part of curriculum and so for me it, it, the conversion to Swift three was was a fair amount of work because it was not just one big project to convert it was like fifty small ones and. Um, I spent quite a bit of time on that uh, as well as reworking curriculum to, to cover the changes in Swift 3. But I, I also sort of, with Swift 3, I, f- I feel like this is uh, you know, I mean, I don't know, I, I guess I sort of felt the same with Swift 2, but it really felt like Swift sort of grew up and became its own thing this year. Whereas with Swift 1 and 2, it it felt much more similar to Objective-C. and And now with all the naming changes and the more pervasive use of value types and stuff, Swift is starting to feel like it, like a, a much um, more distinct language at this point.
2: I definitely agree. Uh, one of the things is, so I've been rewriting, going through and uh, rewriting some of my old Objective-C apps in Swift, and I went down the path with the Swift 1.2, and I really hit a point where I just started getting frustrated, so I just stopped and just decided it wasn't the right time. And so with the move to Swift 3, it really does feel mature. I feel like I'm working in a language that's you know, it's got its feet solidly placed on the ground. And I, every day, I, I get more and more
1: excited about it. No, I agree. I think Swift 3, it, it it's solid. It, I think I agree with Android. It is becoming its own thing. It's becoming like a real programming language. Not that you could do things with it before, but it's becoming... It's own thing. Our, our little babies growing up. So I'm just so <laughs> proud, you
0: know? How so so I Alondo, are you you're just doing contract work? Is that true?
2: Actually, no. Actually, I'm only working on my own app. So I had a couple oh, of apps okay. that are still in the app store right now, and I have a few that are in development that I'm working on as well. It'll be new launches in twenty seventeen. So but those are all Greenfield. So the the existing apps are two that are in the store that I've been working on. And so for me, it's just a matter of going back to this old Objective C code, which I, some of that code is quite old. Actually, I'm a little embarrassed to say it. I wasn't doing updates quite as frequently as I needed to do. Um, but it was it was nice to, as far as the learning process, sort of see where the language is now versus the the code that I was writing, and it's so much less code. It's like that's that's the part that I love so much is like the looking at my projects now and seeing so much less you know code so many fewer lines it's just it it's, an, <laughs> it's a joy and, and, and code is a lot more succinct and, and and it's a lot easier to think i'm still trying to learn a lot of the concepts and, and and fully get on board but uh with uh some of the features but it it it's so far the experience has been great
0: yeah well you don't need to feel bad i've got objective c code in a shipping app that was written in two thousand six and oh that wow it st- is still there you know in in the <laughs> shipping code and I'm p- probably realistically will never rewrite it so I don't think uh I don't think old code is necessarily bad although some of some of my old code is is pretty bad because I didn't really know what I was doing at the time <laughs> at least compared to now um but i, I think uh I, I i sort of wonder if if this change to swift three um or maybe it's not anything to do with Swift 3, but this is just sort of like our, you know, we're, we're now in the third year of, of Swift. Um, if you felt like you're, you, you Jame or Alondo, if you felt like you're better able now to write Swift as Swift, because I, I I, felt like, I, even still, but especially early on, I, I struggled to write Swift that was not just Objective-C in Swift, you know, to sort of ad- adopt some of the patterns and um, design ideas that Swift makes possible.
1: Yeah, I, I was lucky enough. I was able to get heads down on a project almost full time. Like six months after they released it as a language, so I was able to dig in, figure out the patterns, and move forward. So I've been doing mostly Swift for at least a couple of years now. And every time I went to back to something in Objective C and a client that wants some changes, I'm like, oh, it's kind of nice. It's kind of comforting, warm, like vinyl. But I, I hadn't done any like real serious feature development with Objective C. And I had I've been doing that over the past couple of weeks and I'm like oh my gosh this is a pain like like I have to like up my estimates for everything like by 25 percent just because the language slows me down Wow so um, no I'm definitely I'm definitely liking Swift and how I've come to develop apps in Swift so just being able to crank things out is is, is very solid so yeah I'm doing like new feature development for the joke to see I'm like ah this is slower like partially because I, I don't have all the, all the patterns that I, I used to do. Like at the top of my head, it looked sort of up every once in a while. But I think just the language, being able to crank things out, say, dependencies and just uh, little things that the language helped you do. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. Valuable. I think that's one of the reasons
2: why I took a step back. So at work, we had a policy at my old job where if we were writing new code, I definitely would write that in Swift versus writing it in Objective-C because we wanted to move the code base forward. But when I moved back into independent development and just working on my own apps, I literally had to take a step back because I was like, unless I'm going to rewrite all of this in a new language, I just felt like at the time it just couldn't I felt slower, and I'm like, if I'm going to move slowly, like, what's the point at this stage? I can write this faster in Objective-C, so all the updates I was doing before, anything I was doing before was in Objective-C. And then I made a firm decision, like, at this point forward, the language is now at a point with Swift 3 that I, I really felt comfortable and that the language was ready for me to make the full commitment to it. And I don't know, I mean, I think... I'm guessing that there are quite a few people that feel the same way that have been sort of like waiting, and this is the time that they, you know, decided like it's it's time to jump in with both feet.
0: Yeah, you well, know, I think a big thing is that Apple has has said that Swift three is the first um, sort of I don't know what term they use, but source stable release. So Swift four is not supposed to break all your old Swift three code. Like Swift all all basically all of the Swift releases up until now have broken old code, and Swift three was the worst of those, but um, they're, they're saying that's not going to happen anymore, so that makes it so you don't feel like you're writing uh, soon-to-be out-of-date code anytime you write Swift, and that, that that was not really true up until Swift 3. You know, I, I saw people joking about, you know, Swift 3 is, write Swift 3 because, or write Swift because any, any Objective-C is technical debt, and then people would joke and say, well, you know, my Objective-C from 10 years ago still compiles, your Swift from last <laughs> week doesn't after <laughs> So, But that that's no longer true, which I think is a good thing and um, makes it a lot easier to, to justify adopting Swift even in sort of big, old projects. Absolutely.
1: But I think it's important to have a plan in place because I've seen legacy Objective-C projects go to Swift and not have a plan in place and just kind of make a mess of things. So it's important to at least have a plan of how you're going to do it and have enough time to invest that uh, you actually do it. Because if you do it piecemeal here and there, you can definitely get yourself into trouble.
2: Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience. I'm, I'm curious about like your experience with sort of like the mixed code base of having both Objective-C and Swift. I remember going through a lot of the documentation about having both languages in the code base. But when we tried to do it, um, unless it was completely new code that was sort of like not touching anything else, I just felt a little apprehensive about moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think just going forward and try and mix things up that has caused problems, and I'm not working with any large mixed code bases at this point. But you know, a year ago this time, those code base Xcode was just crashing left and right. If you had any large code bases mixing Objective-C and Swift, hopefully Xcode has improved on that. I, I can't guarantee it, and actually, with just how Xcode has been progressing, I'm not sure if it is much better, but. You know, start with different components. Um, full classes. Um, you know, if you're mixing categories in with the extensions, you can get into trouble. But uh, yeah, start with components that are clearly separated, and just have a plan. You know, if something you don't have to touch it, don't you know, don't touch it. Uh, but you can kind of uh, get a boy scout, boy scout approach. You know, uh, if you get into something, you have to change it. Might as well. Maybe you can do it then. You know, makes leave it leave it cleaner than when you left it.
0: And I think that's going to be true. You know, as, as in 2017, and, and as time goes on, uh, more and more and more code is going to be written and rewritten in Swift and Objective C is going to get less and less important. But de- definitely have a plan so that you're not writing, uh, you know, as much as possible. You're not writing new technical debt. I wonder um besides Swift 3 what you guys sort of thought were the big stories for iOS developers in 2016. Nothing. Nothing happened. <laughs> Nothing happened.
1: Well, I I'm thinking back to the announcements from you know from dub dub and they announced a bunch of new things, sticker packs, uh, more enhanced messages. And I haven't really seen those things take off like you maybe would have thought of. So it's like they're kind of cool. Like I was able to do some some exciting things with Messages, but I don't I don't see them being used heavily.
0: Yeah, that's actually so. an interesting point because I use Messages a lot, and when I saw that, you know, in the keynote, I saw especially all the new things in Messages. I thought, well, this is actually really great because this is an app that for probably for a lot of people is about the most used app on their iPhone, uh, and they've just added a ton of new cool stuff to it, and, and it's stuff that they sort of took from other messaging platforms. But I've been surprised at how little I've used any of that. I, I do use the tap back feature. Which basically allows you to react to messages like give them a thumbs up or something like that. I use that fairly often, but I don't know if, I don't know that I've ever sent ever used the stickers other than downloading them like on day one and trying a few out I, I just don't use them.
2: yeah, I've actually toyed with a little bit of the messaging, like the ability to write the so you, know, you can scribble with your own handwritings and the hearts back and things like that. Um, I, I, saw some of the early success stories that some people were having with stickers and things like, and I, I started toying with an idea of releasing a sticker pack. So I started working on it There's a designer here that I know, and we started uh, going down that path, but i really felt like it was such a short time period to get something out. And I just missed that window. So I just let it go. It's was like, okay, this was something that I should have been a little more proactive on even before sticker packs were actually released. And I just missed that opportunity.
1: Of course, we should caveat this as we are not teenagers, so we don't really know how teens are using this. <laughs> they could be going hog wild with the sticker packs and all this stuff. But for me, I played with it a little bit and I, I stopped.
0: Yeah, that's the that's that is a very important point. I'm definitely not probably in the 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 main target market for a lot of that, that stuff. But I do have a 17 year old brother who I. You know, message back and forth a lot with, and I don't think he's used any of it either. With, at least with me, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I know he just, very few. guy would
1: figure it out anyway.
2: Yeah, exactly. I have like one friend. Uh, she's a bit younger, but like she, she does do it, like messaging me, and and I'm sure she does it with messaging our other friends. So I'm sure it's a little bit more popular with the younger set.
1: But I think the inspiration for a lot of this functionality comes from chat apps that are heavily in use in, say, China. Where this kind of stuff is being used, so it could just be a time where it just hasn't been adopted yet, and it's coming. What about well, with the stick with okay. the stickers? I mean, is that is that
2: the same? Do you think like it's because I'm still trying to figure out? Like, I, I mean, I like the idea, and I think it's effective for a lot of people to message each other and have these some ways, you know, particular icons to represent like phrases or things that they want to say. Um, I thought there would be a bigger opportunity there, but do you think that's also just sort of like a demographic thing or, like, there's any opportunity moving forward again with that in addition to just the messaging?
0: I I really don't have a good feeling for that. Um, You know, I think the overall... uh, One of the overall um, themes of WWDC this year, both with messages and with maps, uh, was giving developers more... um, you know, more opportunities to develop and sell things that are not just apps, right, because you've got apps in Maps now, and you've got, and Siri has an API now, and, uh, and then the messages apps and sticker packs. Um, I, I hope that that continues, and I hope that that, some of those new opportunities become real opportunities for developers to do well and to make money, but I haven't really seen it, and I don't actually know anyone that's doing anything terribly serious with any of that stuff, at least yet.
1: So what other things happened over 2016? Uh, are there any other iOS 10 stuff that we're not not hitting?
0: Uh, Other iOS 10 stuff. Well, um, the iPad the 9.7-inch iPad Pro, which came out, I think, in March, as well as the iPhone 7, I believe, have the new extended gamut color displays. And there's a bunch of new color management APIs, and I haven't used any of this, but I wonder if that's going to become a bigger deal and something that at least certain developers working on certain kinds of apps need to know more about. You know, I'm thinking like photo and video apps, but uh, I know that Craig Hockenberry from the Icon Factory has a, a book out about that, which I've been wanting to read. Um, that's something that I think is probably, you know, one of those changes that doesn't seem huge at the beginning, but it's one of the, one of the things that adds up over years to make it, to, to move a platform forward and make it more modern. So you're talking
1: about the things where showing like actual color of uh, say a paper um, in different lighting,
0: I don't remember exactly what the
1: the technology
0: was. Well, yeah, so the, the iPad Pro, the 9.7-inch iPad Pro has, I think, what they call a True Tone display, and it uses a light sensor to adjust the like basically to adjust the white balance or the color temperature or something of the display to match the ambient lighting conditions. But separately, it's also a P3, I think is what it's called, display which has a wider color gamut than sRGB. It can, it can show more colors. Mm. And um, Basically, it can reproduce images with higher fidelity, closer to the real world. But see, nobody nobody has really... I mean, unless you're in color management or you're a professional photographer or something, you probably didn't realize that screens up until now couldn't actually display all the colors that you can see. And so hearing that this new display can display more colors, you think, well, what what more... You know, that I could already do that. Um, but I actually think it's a fairly big change, at least for certain categories of apps. Uh Photography and, and art and video and that kind of thing and I I wonder um, you know if in if in five years or something that will be something that that you look back and you can't believe you you never had it before at least that's what some people seem to think I don't really know I do have a nine point seven inch iPad Pro but I haven't really experimented with that stuff in, at all so
1: yeah it's probably one of the things where like when you first get your Retina display you're like that's cool and you didn't think about it for a while until you had to go to like an old non-retina display. Like, well, how did
0: I ever do this? Yeah, exactly. You, know? you go back now and look at a non-retina display and you can't believe you put up with something that looked so bad. Yeah, but
1: one thing that I noticed in 2016 is the iPad. Even though they're releasing new versions, the iPad Pro, it's good for like high-end work. I, I'm noticing a lot, of, a lot of disinterest in the iPad. People aren't updating theirs. I've got my iPad 4 but I'm still fine. still works fine for what I need an iPad for which I don't do as much anymore. But have you noticed similar things? Yeah, I'm
2: actually a bit worried because I, I, I was thinking that I would have an opportunity to start really diving into providing some solutions that I thought would work well on the iPad. And I'm worried that the interest in the marketplace just isn't there anymore. And I don't know if that's just sort of my, you know, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's not a scientific, I haven't run any, like, experiments to find out, like, what people are really doing with them, but it just feels like uh, the the iPad has sort of become, has fallen out of favor, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, at least for for personal stuff, I I mean, I've noticed, like, when an iPad, if I had to read an article or watch a video, I would hunt down my iPad and and do it, and I think maybe I'm just used to a smaller screen size, where I can just, I'll do it on my phone, just because it's there. Exactly. Like- so, like, I'm using a bigger phone as
2: well, and I'm not using it nearly as much. And I got a newer, newer one this year, but it's still one of those things where – and I just wonder if it's, like, and I wonder if it's because so a lot of people have said, like, Apple hasn't really expressed and, in, in like, expressed, like, what they, where they see the iPad fitting and, like, what its true usage is. And the apps that are out there right now just aren't taking advantage of the true power of the device. And that might be a reflection of the lack of interest as people buying these iPads they were excited about them before. And now I've gotten to a point where it's like, what am I really supposed to be able to do with this thing?
0: Yeah, this is something I've been thinking about because I think there's certainly been a feeling in the community that Apple has neglected the Mac this year. I mean, they, they basically have not updated any Macs except for the new MacBook Pros, which some people have been disappointed in anyway. Um, and a lot of people, I think, have said that that's because Tim Cook personally... Likes the iPad. He sees the iPad as the future of, of personal computing. Uh, you know that's what Apple wants it to be, and, and they just don't they don't particularly care about the Mac anymore. I don't know whether that's true or not, but if it is true, it's a little bit worrying to me for the simple reason that I don't think the iPad replaces the Mac, and I think that's true for a whole lot of people. I'm sure for some for some it does it does replace the Mac, but certainly for me it doesn't. I have a, a, an iPad Pro, which I love, and I actually use more than any other iPad I've had, but. I still use it a small fraction of the amount that I use my Macs. Uh, and for that matter, the, the amount that I use my iPhone. So, you know, I don't know. There there are probably multiple reasons for that. Um, certainly as a developer, I don't feel like the, the iPad is a particularly promising market. You know, if, if I'm trying to decide between writing a Mac app or an iPad only app, something that sort of takes advantage of the power and the big screen of the iPad Pro, I'm probably going to write a Mac app, you know, because... Nobody pays very much for iPad apps, if nothing else.
2: That's, that's very telling because that was, the, that was the struggle that I've been having with sort of working on some new things. It was a couple of ideas that I've been trying to sort of move forward with, and I can do it on both the Mac and, the, and iOS. And uh, just hearing that makes me really sort of validates like, the idea that I had. It's like I probably should move to the Mac. And start developing these newer ideas there instead of trying to not thinking that having a lot of confidence that it's going to really, I can really make a go of it with the iPad.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do an iOS app that's going to be for the iPhone, sure, if it works on the iPad, make it also work on the iPad, make it a universal app. But my hope with the iPad Pro was that there would be a market for sort of the same kind of apps that might have been restricted to the Mac before because of, you know, screen size or powerful processors or whatever and the ipad pro sort of has that it has a big screen it has a powerful processor it even has this new precise input method with the apple pencil but as a developer it seems sort of unsustainable you know economically to make ipad only apps that take advantage of that stuff at least right now but we'll see uh what about the new macbook pro what did you guys think about about that
2: I, I I expected more, quite frankly. I I thought, you know, I'm not saying that it's it's a. they waiting a while. I bought the model that came out last year because I knew I was going to be in the states and I didn't trust that I'd have access to an Apple store anywhere to get one. So, um, I was expecting like a bolder move forward with the dev- with with the with the MacBook Pro. So I was just. I was expecting some. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the the, the movement to this new uh, bar was it's, it's, it's definitely a move in the right direction. But I don't know. I just I thought that it would be a bit a bit a, a bit of a, a a larger leap forward.
1: Yeah, people that I know that have bought them, liked it. They liked it a lot. So I think a lot of people, the initial response was like, "What is this? Who cares?" But the people I know that have bought them, they seem to like it. And I think the bar is going to take some time to get some adoption to actually get some apps that are using it and. Get enough critical mass where, you know, a good chunk of the devices out there will have this. So I think it's going to be a waiting time. But yeah, I, I haven't bought one. I'm, I'm still cranking away with my uh, 2014. I'm due for an upgrade, so I'll probably get it within the next few months. But you know, I don't really feel any pressing desire because my Mac does what I need it to do.
0: Well, I ha- I have a 2012 Retina MacBook Pro. The, vi- the first one I bought it right after. WWDC that year when it, when it was announced and I'm still perfectly happy with it I don't really feel any major need to upgrade uh, but but I think work's going to buy me um, one of the new ones in the next month or so I, and I sort of have mixed feelings about it too I mean like a lot of people have complained that it still has a 16 gigabyte RAM limit which is the same as the RAM limit in the 2012 uh, Retina which and, and that's how much I have in mine but um, I, you know, there have been explanations about why that's actually due to the, you know, to Intel not having, I don't really know the details, but it basically not being possible to put more RAM in it without significantly increasing power consumption and reducing battery life. Um, we'll see. I, I that That seems to me like the kind of thing that will get worked out in the first revision, hopefully next year, when new Intel stuff is out and, you know, they'll do a speed bump and the RAM limit will get bumped and whatever. Um, the Touch Bar is actually really interesting to me, not just from a cool new feature standpoint, but but also because I've looked. I've I don't have one, but I've looked at the APIs for it and, and used the simulator in Xcode to sort of explore what they've done with the Touch Bar and all the system apps and in the OS. And it's really extensive. So the API is not half-hearted. It's really full-featured and thorough and powerful and It's obvious that that they spent a lot of time and effort designing that and and implementing it. Um, But even more so, it's clear that teams all across Apple spent significant time adding support for the Touch Bar to Mac apps that that Apple ships. And that tells me that Apple is not done with the Mac, right? It seems like they put in pretty serious effort on that new feature. And if if they just thought it was a sort of stopgap until they kill the Mac altogether or whatever, they would not have done that. Yes. So it's encouraging, and 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 it's it's AppKit all the way. You know, I mean, the new Touch Bar APIs are not; they're definitely AppKit APIs. So AppKit doesn't seem to be dead just yet either. That said, I don't know. We'll see when I get one. If it's uh, the feature itself is something I use a lot, uh, that I don't have a good feel for yet.
2: Yeah, I'm actually curious. I would love to actually use one. Um, I haven't. I've actually not seen one. Uh, and uh, not been able to sort of use one even in a store because there just isn't one near me right now. But I'm really curious. I'm not in the market for one immediately, but uh, I'm holding out and just seeing, like, if there's next year maybe if things, if they if there's a new model that comes out that has some additional enhancements. You know, I just bought one last year, so I can't really justify buying another one. So, But I am curious.
0: Yeah, I think if you're in a good position to wait for the second revision... That's, this is, you know, well, as always, but especially in this case, I don't think it's a bad thing at all to wait and not get the first revision of this because I have a feeling that, uh, you know, some of the holdups on Intel's end mean that there were compromises in this design that won't be in the next revision
2: yeah and that was a mistake i made with the 2012 It was like unlike so i was so excited about that one when it came out i bought the available in-store 8 gig version uh, that was there and that's why i upgraded last year because i needed more RAM right. and more memory and i wish i'd just been a little bit more patient and gotten the 16 gig and then i could have held out a lot longer
0: yeah yeah I i did get the 16 gig when i bought mine and i I've actually been perfectly happy with it. And to be honest, I'm not as sure about this 16-gig RAM limit being a a huge deal as some other people seem to be, just because I have a 16-gig MacBook Pro. And, you know, I know things will change in the next few years, but as of right now, it's plenty for me. I never feel like I'm limited by by RAM.
1: Yeah, I do some pretty heavy development stuff with some pretty large libraries. I'm fine with Xcode and 16 gigs. You know, with 8 gigs, I, I... I ran into limits quite a bit. But I'm doing okay. So I'm with you there.
0: Well, what do you think is going to happen next year on iOS?
2: My biggest hope is that Siri Kit will be opened up a bit more. We can do a few more things and um, a little bit more expansive. But I, I kind of predicted like they would be slow going with that, that you're not just going to be able to get everything immediately. So I'm not disappointed with what they've been made available so far, but I just expect a bit more. I think that's just going to improve.
0: I Yeah, I, I hope so too. I hope this... Um... I don't know I don't know how to term it but you know I sort of I sort of almost want to say the androidification of iOS because I know for a long time android fans have have said that one of the things that they like about android versus iOS is that it, the platform was so much more open and developers could do all kinds of things that they couldn't do on iOS in terms of like system customizations and Apple has bit by bit been opening iOS up so that you can do uh, you know apps apps and maps and apps and messages and photo extensions, which was you know a year before or maybe even two years ago. Um, and, and so I, I hope that trend continues. I think Apple has actually done a good job of um, doing it the right way, the Apple sort of secure way. Uh, and I, I hope they continue on that path.
2: It's so funny as you mentioned Android because I'm literally looking at the API ref framework reference for intense UI. It's <laughs> just like thinking about, oh, wait a minute, that's exactly what they are in Android. Intense.
0: Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, I'm. I don't have any problem admitting that their, Apple has taken good ideas from Android. It's certainly true that Android has taken good ideas from iOS. I mean, the whole platform is started out yeah. as a copy of iOS, basically, right? So uh, I think it's good if they're going to do that. Yeah, definitely.
1: Use, use whatever you can from who else is out there. And,
0: yeah, Apple's not going to
1: you know, wide out in the open, but, uh, yeah, they're, doing, they're moving in the right direction. We give us like, just a little taste, you know, maps, chat, that kind of stuff. But you definitely don't have the same kind of control that you do. I typically have to tell clients that, yeah, I can't do this. Um, yeah for a feature that actually already works on Android, you know, it's like, uh, sorry, Apple does not give us access to this, uh, the Bluetooth stuff or just hardware level access. But, uh, yeah, they're working in the right direction and in a way that hopefully keeps our phone safe. So I guess we're OK with that.
0: I'm, I'm definitely OK with it. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about what the, what, what's going to happen with the iPhone? This, in 2016, we got the iPhone 7, but it was actually the first time they've ever kept the same design, basically, for, for three years. So, you know, it's sort of like a 6SS or something.
2: Yeah, I was actually surprised. I was really surprised that they didn't. There were no, there were no form factor changes in the last iteration, and I can't imagine that they would go another iteration without that. Um, I have the seven, and I'm quite pleased with it. I've been able to. I mean, but I only bought it for the camera to be like full disclosure. I just wanted a better camera, and it has been amazing uh, to use that in these last few months traveling around. Um, but. I'm excited about seeing like where they're going to go because it feels like that the 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 change much like what I was saying with the with MacBook the changes that we got in this last iteration of the phones like I feel like they could have gone farther they could have done more but there were there may be some technical reasons that they just could not provide those things uh, in time for the new release.
0: Yeah, the optimist in me says that the reason they they kept the same design this year is because they've got something really big in the pipeline for next year and they just needed more time to work on it essentially. Um, I kind of hope that's true. I think, uh, you know, I'm I'm not one of these people that thinks Apple needs to do something just amazing and and earth-shattering every single time they release a product. I don't think they've actually done that very often. Um, But it's always fun when something, you know, kind of radically new comes out of them and you get to see something that they've clearly been working on for a long time and put a lot of thought and effort into. And there are some rumors floating around that the iPhone... I guess the iPhone 8, next year's iPhone, will be a, a pretty major update. Yeah, we, we haven't
1: talked about the, the phone update that generated the most controversy, the, the earbuds, the lack of a headphone jack. And people are um, just starting to get their actual earbuds. All the fanboys are waiting, we're waiting in line and excited for their Christmas presents, but I haven't really heard that much about if they really like them or not, if, really, if they hold in while they're going for a jog. Have you heard anything? Um, everything that I've heard right now on the uh
2: just on the normal channels is that people are really impressed with the design and how they work and just how they feel so that they're you know I've only seen in overwhelmingly positive responses to it so um I haven't had a chance to get my hands on one. I'd love to have a pair because I'm really struggling with this plugging in and charging without being able to listen um to my music at the same time.
0: Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as Alondo. I don't have a pair of AirPods yet, but I've got quite a few friends and you know people on Twitter and stuff that do, and I have heard overwhelmingly positive feedback. I've heard from... I think I heard of one guy who lost one of his. It fell out of his ear, and uh, he went to the Apple store and told them, and they actually gave him a new one free, which I don't think is going to be their policy. It's kind of one of those, in the first few weeks after a new product comes out, they're always a little more liberal with that sort of thing than they, they are normally, but um, mostly people have just said that they work really well, the design is, is very good, people have said that you know it's sort of Apple at its best, where they really get the de- details right, so I'm eager to try them. I have a I got a quite nice pair of um, Sony Bluetooth headphones not too long ago, and so I can't quite justify spending a bunch of money on another pair of Bluetooth headphones, uh, but I will get some at some point.
1: Very cool. So I guess we can projected iPhone 8 will still not have a headphone jack
0: I think so I got an iPhone Correct. So, so I got an iPhone 7 plus about two weeks ago two or three weeks ago and I, I have to be honest I just really haven't missed the headphone jack that much and I, I was definitely a skeptical uh, skeptical about that when when they announced it but you know it turns out I use Bluetooth headphones at work to listen all and I already was doing that with my iPhone 6 S, and uh, I have it my car has a USB port so and you can just plug a lightning cable into it, and the car will already play through the lightning jack, so I't even have to I don't even have to use an adapter in the car or anything. so uh, it's been it's actually been a pretty easy, not a big deal change for me. I'm sure that's not true for everyone though, but
2: Yeah, actually, I was actually hoping to get a pair of Bluetooth headphones. I found a pair on sale at the airport. I think it was in Doha at the time, and this guy in front of me bought the last two. And oh, I was not what? pleased. I was like, dude, seriously? Are you just going to buy Give me one, one of those? Thing?
0: Yeah. What do you need two pairs of headphones for?
2: And he said, oh, his girlfriend wanted a pair as oh, well.
1: Sure. So I was just
2: like, yeah. oh, great.
1: Have you heard of Amazon.com? I need those right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting them delivered here is probably not really that easy. <laughs> I suppose. Okay. I,
0: That's
1: good. I'm still rocking the uh, the eighth inch on all my headphones. And I'm, I'm due for an upgrade, but... It just hasn't happened
0: yet. So. Yeah, so I, I definitely am weird though that in that I don't actually listen to music on my iPhone all that often. I do I do at work uh, sometimes, but when I'm at home, I listen to music mostly on my turntable, and I have a nice pair of headphones. You know,
2: your your what? What yeah. year is This
0: and it's all it's an all analog <laughs> setup, so you know it's, it's fine. And when I'm at home, I actually was and, and I'm not listening to that. I, I listen to my Mac fairly often, but. My iPhone is not my primary music machine, so... Interesting.
1: I've gone the other direction. I, my wife and I sold our house this year, and now we're in a one-bedroom apartment, so I'm doing a lot more listening on, with my iPhone and with headsets. It's
0: no excuse, James. I know. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment for seven years, and I had my turntable set up the entire time.
1: With with, uh, with your wife?
0: With my wife. <laughs> with my wife. All right. Very nice. Didn't have as much room for vinyl, so my collection has definitely expanded since moving to a house, but I, I still had plenty. Very cool. Do you think there will be new Macs next year? New iMacs, new Mac Pros. I mean we did just get a new MacBook Pro, but other than that, Macs have been pretty neglected for a while.
2: I can't imagine there's not there not being something after sort of the the uproar that I at least that I heard with no new hardware being released this year and it being so many years since there's been, you know, I, I don't know. It's now I look back at sort of the, you know, um, can't innovate my ass response, you know, when they presented the, um, what is the, the, what's the name of the little, uh, cylindrical <laughs> Mac?
0: Alando can't even remember the name that tells you how important well, it is. The, the I RG2. always
1: think
2: of star Wars. The, like the, the exactly. Tra- it's like, yeah.
0: Yeah, the trash it's can. I just think of
2: like you know, the tractor being being shut down. It's, a, it's the, it's the <laughs> it's Mac Pro. A, yeah. So the Mac Pro, I'm just like why? Why is it taking so long? Like, what is? What is? Who's who's working on this? How many resources are being like uh, dedicated to that particular piece of hardware? And why haven't we got anything? I can't imagine us not getting something in 2017. I mean, it, it pretty much confirms that they don't care if we don't get something
1: next year. Maybe they have so much courage, they're just not ready for it yet. Yeah.
0: I, Too much courage. <laughs> I, I certainly hope, with the Mac Pro specifically, I, I really hope that if they're not going to update it in 2017, that they just discontinue it. Because this whole, well, we're still going to sell it, even though it's three, and, you know, it'll be four years old the end of next year. Even though we're not going to ever do anything with it. That, that just seems ridiculous to me. Uh, on the other hand, it's weird to me that they designed that computer, which is... You know, radically different than any computer they've ever built before. They set up manufacturing for it in the US and you have to figure they spent quite a lot of time and engineering resources on that only to just let it languish and never do anything with it after that. It seems strange, right? Why not? Why, why didn't they just bump the existing Mac Pro if that's all they were going to do?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like the goodwill that they built with that. I actually know one of my um, colleagues actually got one when it first came in. He was so excited about it and he used it and to just abandon that to me just sort of like leaves people hanging it was like hey, we gave you this product it's made in the US and it's just just, just new direction for, for for the type of device you can use in your de- desktop and it's powerful and then well we don't do anything with it and then that's it and you don't get anything else and I just feel like it's, 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 it's a bit of a letdown
0: yeah I've never been a, a Mac Pro owner the last you know pro desktop Mac I had it was a g5 tower power mac g5 um and i use an imac so i'm satisfied if if they come out with a new imac uh you know with thunderbolt Bolt 3 and all that which i sort of expect them to do but i really think there's a lot of value in having that mac pro in the lineup and there are certainly people for whom that is the best option my brother for example is a is a video you know video producer and has one of the trash can mac pros and you know that's he, he uses the power of that thing um it's disappointing that they it's disappointing if they would sort of abandon that market because for so long that has been a you know a small but but really important part of apple's market is pr- creative professionals
2: yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm in, and so with the iMac, the last one I've owned is the 2008, and I just realized that I started traveling a lot more, and I, there was no reason to keep it. So, but I'm still excited about it. Like, even when they sort of made the, the display a lot thinner, I just like the design. It's like, I'm not going to buy one, but I'd love to see that it's continuing, that they're continuing to make improvements in the design and in, in the internals. And so I'm excited, hopefully, that we, we will get an improved uh, iMac as well next year. I hope we get both.
0: I hope so too. I I have my, an iMac has been my primary computer. Uh, I bu- I think I bought the first generation Intel iMac. Before that, I had Power Mac, a couple of Power Macs, and a and a Powerbook. But when they moved to Intel, I bought the first Intel iMac, and an iMac has been my main machine ever since. And um, I've held off up updating to the Retina one for the sole reason that I wanted one that could also dis- drive a, a you know a five K Retina display which is not possible with the current Retina iMac, or at least not without doing some two-cable thing. I think there's a Dell monitor that you can use two cables on. So anyway, I've been holding out, and I really hope they'll release a a 5K iMac with Thunderbolt 3, basically the ports that are on the new MacBook Pro. Um, I will buy one as soon as they come out, so I'm looking forward to that. The iMac seems like it's in a little less tenuous spot than the Mac Pro, though, because I think it's definitely a bigger, you know, it's the main desktop mac apple makes at least from their perspective and it's i'm sure it sells way better than the mac pro ever does and tim cook did say recently uh in some internal apple communication that was leaked that there are new desktops you know in the pipeline that will be coming out so people don't need to worry about that he didn't really say what those new desktops were um, and there was a little bit of an implication in the way he said things that he was only talking about the iMac. But either way, they've got to do something new desktop-wise after he said that, right? Is there anything else you think we should talk about uh, this, that happened this year or, or you know, will be happening next year? I guess I have one thing. Um, something I think Apple did this year that, that was pretty interesting uh, was the... Um, the sort of learn to code the the curriculum for Swift for people to learn how to how to write Swift and it, in particular they they are producing a curriculum for like high school students uh, to, to learn to program using Swift and that's you know Apple has long for, since the very beginning Apple has been uh, closely tied to education and has considered the education market important but I think this is their first real serious Entry into the sort of learn to code um, and p- push broader learn to code push and uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that former um, panelist Caleb who was on for just a little while uh, is one of the people working on that team at, at Apple and um, I hope they have you know big plans for that and also that it that it succeeds and sees some some adoption in the wider community because I think it would be good for Swift.
2: I definitely want to see like the growing. I was uh, so I was when I did come back to the states. I, you know, I have some um, friends and they have younger children and younger. I have younger cousins and everything. So, I really, just trying to get them on their iPads, like excited about programming. And so one of the great things was that a couple of the kids that were there when I was last home were super excited. Want to write games? Of course, they always want to write games. <laughs> want to write like nobody wants to write productivity software. Uh, so, uh, but setting them up with playgrounds and getting them ready, I, I really laud the efforts of Apple to sort of. Expand the number of, of, of people that are like introduced to programming. I'm excited about it, and I like that they're providing resources to help you know, even someone like me who just wants to casually like sort of introduce uh, young people to programming and, and, and Swift in particular and, and creating apps, um, giving us the resources to do that. I, I, I'm impressed with it, and I hope it continues.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I think at least right now, I mean, Apple has a way of, of changing quickly, but at least right now, I think they're putting serious resources into it, and it's something that they actually care about. All right, well, if there's nothing else that you uh, think we should cover, do you want to get to picks? All right, let's go. Why don't you let's start do us off, Alondo?
2: Okay. So I've been in Cambodia for about four weeks now, and I got an opportunity to visit one of the local uh, charities, and NGO um, called Tiny Tunes. And they actually work with kids who are not in the public schools in Cambodia because those schools actually cost money and people here are very poor and can't really afford to to pay for teachers and pay for schools. So what they do is is they allow the kids to come in, they teach them English, they teach them computing skills, they teach them life skills and math, and reading, but they also teach them dance. So they actually hook the kids with um, hip-hop dance and break dancing. And breakdancing was something that I did as a kid and it helped build confidence in me and uh, it really allowed me to sort of like break out of my shyness, and so it's kind of hit me in the heart. It's like really connected with it. I got an opportunity to spend time with the kids, and we dance, and we you know kind of share my experience and 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 learn their stories and things like that. So, uh, my only pick this week is to support um, the Tiny Tunes project um, and and uh, and a GoFundMe campaign. There are also a couple of other. Um, Charities in Cambodia that we are trying to support one which girls a girl guides which is basically like a girl Scouts for girls in Cambodia, also teaching them life skills and trying to keep and get them on the right track um, and avoid some of the really really just unfortunate things that are going on here with young women and I just encourage anybody who's listening to please please help support us we've got a campaign we're trying to raise about $5,000 right now and uh, we're about uh, three-fifths of the way there so anyone who who's hearing wants to donate whatever you can we really
1: really appreciate it that's awesome I'm I'm trying to visualize Alondra doing the helicopter with a bunch of Asian kids that's awesome
2: oh yeah my head spin game is still good at 40 alright
1: alright <laughs> Has the soundtrack changed, or you, what's not, like, the rapping stuff from the 80s? Well, they
2: they play a lot of stuff, but I, that's the one thing I really love, too, is, like, they, they keep the kids grounded with, like, old-school hip-hop, so they're playing Run-DMC and stuff like that, so it's, like, it's really cool. they like, they're still letting them hear that stuff versus, like, All newer right. stuff.
0: Very cool. James, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I've got one pick.
1: So I was talking with Andrew earlier, and I told him I was getting into Zeppelin. He's like, oh, Physical Graffiti, House of the Holy. I'm like, no. Uh, Zeppelin is... I just ran across this a couple weeks ago it's a software as a service app for designers but it allows them to export their style guides their fonts you know the point layouts all the things that we need to do to get our apps to look correctly and it's always been a hassle to get you know like how many pixels do you want this you know what's the actual font getting that stuff from the designers and it's all right there um, so Z E P L I N is the tool and i was pretty impressed with it even you can even export um, code for your fonts and for your colors and does Swift 2 Swift 3 Objective C so I'm pretty impressed with it so I've been working over the past couple days with a designer and he has his stuff in Zeppelin I look at it and it's got all the layouts I know exactly where to do it You know, I know where to put uh, all the stuff for like the the image layouts. so I'm pretty happy with it so you know if you work with designers uh, check, check it out
0: nice I'll have to check that out all right, well I've got one Zeppelin.io. Pick. Zeppelin.io. I've got one pick as well. Um I was in we were all in New York City, well, Jame and I were in New York City, uh I don't know, a month and a half ago, uh at the Microsoft Connect conference. And while I was there I went to B and H photo, which I, I order stuff from them. In fact I I've bought my last two Macs from B and H um, uh, you know, ordered them online. But I wanted to go to the physical store since I was in New York and, and I did and uh of course when you go to a store like that you want to buy something. so I bought this little uh, basically for me it's a toy, but um, it's actually can be used for more serious things. It's a device by teenage engineering called the pocket operator and uh, these they, they sell I don't know six of them or something. sorry about the noises. It's they sell six of them or something um, I, I just bought one of them but they're they're basically little tiny, pretty cheap synthesizers and they've made them really fun to use, but they, they're, they're, they've got quite a few features and you can chain them together and use you know external um, sync sources or external click tracks to sync things. And um, my, one, my one and a half year old also loves to play with the thing. So definitely a fun little toy to pick up, even if you're not a musician, but if you are a musician, you can do some really cool stuff with it. So teen- teenage engineering pocket operator is my pick. All right, guys. Thanks for the show. Awesome. Awesome. Bye. Hey. Thanks, Alondo. <laughs> well,
2: thanks a lot, guys. It's three o'clock a.m. here, so I do have to go to sleep. Ah, uh, to bed. <laughs> All right. All
0: right.
2: All right. All right. Take care. Take-